All right, I want to know who did their soap this week? Who did your soap? This is a transformational experience for you, and these cards are available at the end of the service. This is a way for you to be able to learn to hear God's voice on a daily basis. Um, pick one of those up on the way out. I know there have been multiple comments on social media about how it's been a positive experience for our people. I encourage you to be a part of that. I am so excited about this series in the book of Acts, and it begins today. If you didn't notice, Dana got the lovely introduction music, and we're, we're excited about this series. So, um, And I, I hope you will be, too. Uh, I think all of the Bible is my favorite, but I often say this book, the book of Acts, is one of my very favorites. And... Um, I'm just excited that we're starting this together. And I'm going to give you homework each week at the end of service so that when you come next week, you're ready for the message then. Yeah, because, you know, we're back to school and we're back to God's word. And yeah, yeah. Well, the, the title of the message this morning is Waiting. And this is really what we find at the very beginning of the book of Acts is we find the disciples, we find the believers, the followers of Jesus waiting. It's what they're doing. And I have a confession to make. I so dislike waiting. When our, when our Hinkle kids were young, it would really try my patience when we were waiting for the food to come out at the restaurant now, whether you have small children or you've been placed next to them in the restaurant, 20 minutes waiting in a restaurant with small children misbehaving, especially your own, it feels like an eternity, doesn't it? Is it ever going to end, right? Um, don't get me wrong. I love children. I have five of them. And to me, when children make noise, uh, that's just, whether it's in church or anywhere else, it's the sign of life. It's the sign of love. And children are important to the church of today. So don't get me wrong about the kids. But maybe for you, it's not the kids. Maybe for you, it's waiting for the Amtrak or the stoplight downtown to finish so that you can move ahead. Uh, maybe it's the checkout line at Walmart or the person who, re not that Walmart's bad. It's <laughs> checkout line anywhere, right? Right? Um, maybe uh, it is for you that person who refuses to use their cruise control. <laughs> Nearly every car has a cruise control nowadays. I know there's some that don't, but, but the person who doesn't use their cruise control. Or that person who is driving slow in the fast lane. Right? We all have waiting issues, if we'll admit to it. Um, and, and the truth is, whenever I'm waiting, whenever I'm sitting there waiting for the Amtrak, or I'm sitting there in the checkout line, wherever it is, and I'm waiting for that person to pick out all their coins out of their purse or their pocket or whatever, counting them out. For me, what happens in that time is I'm constantly thinking about what I'm going to do next constantly thinking about what's happening in the rest of the day, constantly thinking about, I mean, I think, my, my wife will tell you I'm a chronic planner. I mean, I'm thinking about stuff three months from now while I'm waiting in the checkout line. So um, I'm always thinking about how to best use my time. And we live in a world of drive-up windows, ATMs, microwaves, 
And the truth is, we resent waiting. We resent it because we just expect everything to happen, don't we? And we do this even with God if we want to admit it. I mean, we're like, we pray the prayer and we're like, okay, God, do it now. Boom. And sometimes he does. And sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he makes us wait. Um, When Father had us resign our former pastorate, after 11 years, after we raised up our replacements, he asked us to wait. And it was nearly a whole year before he gave us the go-ahead to start checking out where we should be next before we came here. That was a, a learning time for me, being in that waiting spot. And he placed me in a position that would try my patience daily. He provided... Um, what we needed, but the position he gave me in that interim time, the people I worked with, the situations, it would try my patience, sometimes moment by moment. And, uh, but I'm so glad we waited. Because we did, we got to come here. And waiting for God, waiting for his plan, it will always bring blessing. So all of that, who else here likes to dislikes waiting? Who dislikes waiting? Wow. There's like 13 of you that dislike waiting. You, you're very patient people. Um, well, today's message finds a group of dedicated Jesus followers who are waiting. And Paul reported that over 500 people saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. Over 500. So it wasn't just the disciples. This is a large group of people who knew that Jesus had risen from the dead. However, just 10 days later, only 120 of them were found waiting on God in prayer. So nearly 75% of the people who witnessed the amazing event of a man being raised from the dead said no thanks, or I don't have time. 75% who saw Jesus raised from the dead didn't want to wait. So you're not alone. Has anyone here ever been part of a 10-day prayer meeting? How about 10 hours? How about sometimes we have difficulty praying 10 minutes, don't we? Well, that's not you guys. That's just me. But sometimes we have difficulty 10 minutes. Our our series today begins in the book of Acts. And just to give you a little background, most scholars believe that Luke wrote the book of Acts. And it's a summary of the current events that were taking place in the church. Here's something that people don't often think of. And that is the book of Acts is the one New Testament book that has no formal conclusion. If you read the New Testament books, they all have a conclusion at the end of them. Acts is the only one that does not. It's part of what I love about this book. I believe that part of the reason it has no conclusion is that we are living in the book of Acts. And Acts continues until Jesus returns. That's why there's not a formal conclusion. Because the Holy Spirit is poured out in the book of Acts, and continues to be poured out today. It didn't stop at the book of Acts. So let's look at what God's word says about 
this. In Acts chapter 1, and again, you can look on your electronic device or your Bible if you brought it, or it'll be on the screen behind me. Acts chapter 1, and verses 1 through 9, it says, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, Theophilus, they just don't make names like that anymore, do they? About everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Jesus baptized with water, But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But you will, you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then after saying this, he was taken up into the cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. So in verse four, he commands them to wait He says, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. He commanded them to wait. He's not suggesting this. He's saying, you need this. You need this gift that I have for you. And a few verses later, actually only moments later, so he makes this command. He says, wait for this gift that I have for you. And then in verse 9, it says, he was taken up to a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. (laughs) So he says, wait for this gift. And then he does something no one has ever seen before. And he's ascended up into heaven and, and he disappears. Can you imagine what they must have been thinking? Well, where'd you go? First of all, and how long? Are we going to wait? Jesus commanded them to wait. And he told them he was going to return. So he said, I'm going to give you this gift, but also I'm going to return. And so there's this anticipation of what's next. And still with all of that, there was 75% of the people who said, eh, I got other stuff to do. Right? The short video I'd like you to watch. Jesus' very last act on earth is also one of his most puzzling. He ascends into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. On the surface, the ascension appears to show Christ leaving our world. 
But if we see the ascension resulting in less of Jesus' presence instead of more, then we are missing out on a powerful truth about the ascended Jesus. When Jesus encounters Mary Magdalene after his resurrection, she throws her arms around him. She had lost him once, and she would never lose him again. But Jesus says to her, Don't hold on to me, Mary, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. One could assume that Jesus is saying this because his resurrected body is sacred. But later Jesus invites Thomas to touch his wounds, so that can't be the case. Jesus knew the fear that Mary felt, thinking she had lost him forever. So through his reply, Jesus is saying, If you let go, if you let me ascend, you'll have access to an even stronger relationship with me. Mary, the way I am right now, there's a chance you could lose me. But if I ascend to the Father, you will have me forever and nothing will ever be able to take me away from you. His presence would come through the Holy Spirit, who is not merely a force, but a person who would come in his place. Jesus said, unless I go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Christ to us. This is why Jesus said that through the Holy Spirit, he would finally show himself to his disciples. The implication is that the disciples did not and could not truly know Jesus until he went away bodily and returned through the Holy Spirit, which is encouraging for us to see because you might be under the impression that if only you could have lived and walked with Jesus, that you would know him better than you do now. But you'd be wrong. Before Jesus died, the Holy Spirit had not been released into the world in this powerful way. And you can only know Jesus fully through the Spirit's influence, as He shows you in the shadow of the cross how high and long and wide and deep His love is for us. In other words, through the Holy Spirit, you can see Christ and know His presence and His love better than the apostles on the night of the Lord's Supper. So the inevitable question is, are you living like this is true? Are you living like Christ is more accessible now than he was when he walked the earth? Jesus has made his intentions clear. He left heaven and all of his glory for your sake. And through his ascension, he has made himself infinitely available to you. Christ has drawn near to you. So draw near to him. So here's the thing. If Jesus had not ascended, we know him more intimately than the disciples do. You guys, that should, it blows my mind when I think about that. I've had that thought that that speaker said that if I could just have been with Jesus, I'd know him more. It's not true. The fact that he left the Holy Spirit for us means that we know him, we know the Father more intimately than the disciples did. So in, in Acts chapter 2, in verses 1 through 8, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, 
There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking our own native languages. So after 10 days of waiting, 10 days after Jesus ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the world. Not just these believers, but the world. The Holy Spirit becomes available to us. In, this, this is no small event, you guys. And it was what Jesus commanded them to wait for. It was this gift that was promised to the believers then and is promised to the believers today. And back again in in verse 2 and 3 of chapter 2, it says, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And this, this was not a barely visible manifestation of God. This was an event. This was huge. They knew what they'd been waiting on had come. It was the promise of the Father. In verse 4, it says, everyone present, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Doesn't it seem like the waiting was worth it in this case. This is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gift that Jesus spoke of for all who believed who would receive. And it was not limited to those who waited that day. Throughout the book of Acts, we're going to see this happen again and again with new believers with believers who'd already been following Jesus for some time. We'll see the manifestation of this gift in operation today. It was not meant to end ever. Like the book of Acts that doesn't have a formal conclusion, the gifts of the Holy Spirit have no formal conclusion. It says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 26, it says, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will have some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you. This passage says, when you meet together. That's what we're doing, guys. We're meeting together. And this is the norm for worship. Maybe not by what our world speaks to us, but according to God's word, which I hope that's what we're going by is God's word. According to God's word, it's normal for people to have a special revelation, a prophetic word. It's normal for people to speak in a tongue and there to be an interpretation when you come together. 
This is exciting stuff. And this is God speaking to his church using his people to do it. However, the manifestation of this gift is not what's important. The, the actual speaking in tongues, we get caught up in that because it's something we see, something we hear. That's not what's important. What's important is the confidence, the power, the ability, and the desire that the Holy Spirit gives us to share what Jesus has done in our life. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about, you guys. It's not about the manifestation of the gifts. It's about the power to share what Jesus has done in us. Not just here when we come together, but in every moment of every hour of our day of our life, at work, in our neighborhoods, at home. And the world, we may not think this, but the world is looking for the manifested power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. They're looking for this. They're looking for him. They don't even know they're looking for him. They don't know this is what they're looking for. And we're going to talk more about this, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and that's an intended free gift for everyone who receives him. But we're going to get back to waiting now, because that's really what we're focusing on this morning is the waiting. And waiting on God is hard, isn't it? Waiting on God is hard. Whether it's a manifestation of his power and the gifts of the Spirit, or, or if we're waiting on him for his perfect timing for the events he has planned in our lives. Often God has us wait. And the reality is, when we wait, that's when the great stuff happens. In Isaiah chapter 40, in verse 27, it says, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? You know, when we're in the midst of the waiting and we're going through a difficult time, we're going through the struggle, don't we sometimes say, God, where are you? Right? Where are you? Why are you not? I want to drive up to the window and order a healing. I want to order a provision. I want to order a, you, you name it. That's what we do, Right? How can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And it seems to me like when I read this passage, it, it relates to what I just said a moment ago that Isaiah is saying, you've let me down, God. Thanks a lot. When he says, he, he says, why have you not done what you said you do, God? I'm waiting for you. And those who wait... In some of the translations, it actually says, those who hope. Those who hope. 
Many times in God's word, that, that word wait in Hebrew means to gather together, to, to not do it on our own even when we're waiting, to, to bring others into the waiting and to the hope. And that sort of changes what waiting upon the Lord means, doesn't it? I mean, when we talk to that person in our life that we love and we trust and we say, would you pray for me about this? Because I'm waiting for God to do this. I need healing. I need provision. I need whatever. But when we wait together, when we hope together, when we pray together, and then when the answer comes, don't we go, ooh, right? And then, and that's the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit makes us want to go out and tell everybody. That's, that's why we need the Holy Spirit, so that we will, we will tell what God has done. And in the waiting, sometimes, sometimes in the waiting, we soar like eagles. There are people that I know that can wait. I mean, they're like, I love to wait. Not me, but, but they soar like eagles. Sometimes when we're waiting, we crawl like babies. I mean, it's like we're never going to get there, Right? But while we wait, both of those are examples of faith-filled waiting on God. So whether we're crawling like a baby or we're soaring like an eagle, we're still waiting. Either one is faith-filled. And waiting on God always produces blessing. Always produces blessing. Who else waited on God? Noah Noah was the king of the waiters. I mean, Noah, he was, he's 500 years old. I can't even process that. But then God tells him to build an ark, which everybody sat around and said he was crazy for 100 years while he did it. 100 years. It says it took him 100 years to build the ark. Yet Noah waited on God. Abraham and Sarah They were 80 plus years old. And God said, you will have a child. Now, Abraham got a little bit impatient in the middle there, didn't he? Remember? He got impatient in the middle and he kind of messed it up. But here's the the cool thing about that. Even when we mess it up, God can still fix it, you guys. So even if we're impatient, God can still fix it. But the real blessing comes... If we wait, imagine if Abraham had just waited. Wow. There's Moses, 40 years in the desert, leading millions, millions of disobedient people. The whole reason they wandered around for 40 years is because they were disobedient. It was supposed to only take them like 11 or 12 days, you guys. Can you imagine Moses? God, when are we going to get to get there? Right? Joseph. They say 10 to 12 years in prison for something he didn't do before he became the leader that God called him to be. And can you imagine what God did in Joseph's heart in that time? I can't imagine how difficult it was. Like I said, I can hardly wait for the the train. Then we have the prophets. We have everyone who's mentioned in Hebrews. When you read through Hebrews, they all waited. They're people who waited on God. 
And waiting and delay, it shapes and it brings maturity in us as believers. In that time of waiting, if we will wait and we will call out to God, we will find maturity, we will find growth in him that would not have happened had it not been for that waiting. If we could see waiting as a time of preparation for what God has next, when you're stuck in one of those spots, and you will be, where God says, wait, think about it as preparation. Think about it as, okay, God, what do you want to show me? What do I need to learn? What needs to change in me so that we can take to the next level? That's what waiting is about. And when we're in the middle of waiting, we're waiting on God. When we're in the middle of waiting, we're waiting on God. We're not waiting on people. We're not waiting on circumstances. We're waiting on God because he wants to do something in us. And waiting on God always brings his best for us. It did in the opening of this passage when we talked about how the 120 waited for what Jesus promised. And the spirit was poured out. And we're going to get into more of that next week. But because they waited, there were over 3,000 people who came, came to know Jesus because they waited in that one day. And again, I get ahead of myself. I'm so excited about this book and teaching this message. Um, so waiting on God brings the best for us. And waiting on him allows the Holy Spirit to work in us. So what does this mean to you? How do you react when you have to wait? What's your gut response when God tells you to wait? How do you respond to that? Maybe God has you wait for some things in the practical in your life every day just to kind of prepare you. You ever think about that? Last time I was standing in line somewhere to pay. I'm not going to say where it was. And because and it wasn't the person who was ringing it up. It wasn't their fault. I mean, I, I stood there for between 20 and 25 minutes, and I was the second person in line. And that didn't happen here. That happened actually in Fort Dodge where we used to live. But as I sat there, um, it was interesting that day because I, I began to say to God, okay, um, you're obviously, you're either protecting me from something or there's something you want to speak to me or what, what's the deal, God? Why am I, why am I standing here? <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, if we, would, if we would react like that when we wait, we say, God, what is it you're having me wait for? And then, and then listen. Um, ha, have you ever had to wait on God to come through for you? Anybody ever had to wait on God to come through for you? Yeah. Did you learn anything while you were waiting last time? I think sometimes this pattern of waiting reoccurs if we don't learn the first time. God gives us an opportunity to learn again. We use that word opportunity instead of it being a right? <laughs> what? Because <laughs> that's, that is not how God does it. God doesn't do it like that, honestly. So it feels like that, but it doesn't, that isn't how he does it. Does, what does intentionally waiting on God mean to you? What does intentionally waiting on God mean to you? And then finally, are you willing to wait 
for his best. Are you willing to wait for his best? Because the truth is, if we do, if we wait on him, his best is what comes forth for us. And I don't know about you, but I like the best. You like the best? Some of you do. The rest of you don't care about the best. <laughs> Let's stand up together. and We're going to close this morning. Here's your homework for next week. You're like, you went to church this morning and you said, I hope that Pastor Bob gives us homework every week. I hope he does, right? Here's your homework for next week. Besides doing soap, which should be doing that every day, we get into soap, pick up this card on the way out so you can participate in that. Read verses 11 through 37 in chapter 2 of Acts, or just read all of chapter 2 of Acts for next week. So when you come, you'll be like, okay, we're going to talk about this chapter. See, I think us coming prepared makes a difference in what God can do in us. What do you think about that? I think if we come prepared for the music part of worship, it makes a difference in how that goes. If we come prepared to hear his word, if we come prepared to give, God can do some things in us. So come prepared next week. Read Acts chapter 2. And we're going to learn to wait on God together in the meantime. And we are going to learn while we wait. So we're not just going to learn to wait on God, but we're going to learn while we wait. And we're going to do our homework. (laughs) And we're going to take an active part in building the kingdom in our city. Amen? Jesus, let's pray. Jesus, you told the disciples to wait. And you often tell us to wait. We want to learn the lessons that you have for us while we wait. God, I I pray that as we wait upon you, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, would show us the things that we need to learn, the things that need to take place in our life before we go to whatever is next that we've been waiting for. God, I thank you that, that you put all these pieces into place for us and you have our best for us. And God, we want your best. We want your best, God, not our best, because our best falls short. But your best is always, always the best. I'm going to say best as many times as I can in this prayer. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your best for us. In Jesus' name.